Good morning, Grace Point. As you can see, Pastor Dell is not here with us this morning. He's still celebrating his birthday and taking um, a well-deserved time off. But he has left somebody with us who is capable and able to share the word of God with us. Amen. This individual is not a stranger to us. He is currently serving as the director of the Higher Grounds Men's Ministry, and he has a heart for discipleship. The men in this church will know him very well because he's an awesome disciple. And um, I ask that you'll join me in welcoming to the stage, Wesley Anderson. Good morning. How are we this morning? Amen. Amen. So, as Ron said, I uh, serve in the men's ministry here. I have a wife. Her name is Crystal. A six-year-old son whose name is Elijah. He's actually at home puking now, so please pray, pray for him. Uh, so today, I want to go ahead and get started because it's, uh, it's a really packed message. But I want to speak to you today on the message of moving out in the Spirit. Moving out in the Spirit. So we're going to begin with uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning with verse 26. Now, I will be reading from the NASB. Uh, you don't have to have a New American Standard Bible to go to heaven, all right? One will be given to you when you get there, but... Uh, you don't want to have to stand in that long, embarrassing line, you know? Okay, so John 15, verse 26. When, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you, okay, so pause there. If you have a pen or, or a pencil, circle the word you, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, these things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. Stumbling meaning to be ill-prepared, to trip over, to lose one's balance or stability, to get your foot entangled. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I have no need to glory in the flesh, and I have no problem, God, confessing before all these here my great need for you. And I'm asking you, God, if it possible, you speak through me, but if even that's not possible, that you would speak in spite of me. God, that your word would go forth, enter into the ears of every listener, down past the threshold of their soul and into their spirit. That you, God, would speak to them, spirit unto spirit, deep unto deep. That they would encounter you today. And we give you all the praise for this. We welcome, we welcome your spirit in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. The 
Son of the living God. Amen. You guys look really good from this view. A lot, a lot prettier. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he revealed to his disciples that when the Helper was going to come, that is, the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God was going to testify of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has many operations within the world today, but the primary mission of him is to testify of Jesus. Furthermore, Jesus also continued to say that you will testify of me. It wasn't just he, but us. And in, verse, in chapter 16, verse 1, Jesus describes the reason by which he told them these things. He said, I tell you these things so that you will not stumble. That is to say, I've been with you in the flesh. You've walked with me. You've seen me. But I'm going to go away. And you won't see me any longer. And you need to be prepared for when opportunities to come to your life so that you would testify. Jesus did not say that we might testify. He said we will testify. In other words, it's just a matter of time. You see, if Jesus said these things to his disciples who saw them with their physical eyes, how much more then those of whom of us we've, ne we've never even seen him, yet we love him? How much more relevant is this to us? As we learn to deepen our walk in the Spirit and his gifts through this series, Pastor Dell has been preaching, I believe it will ultimately result in us moving out into the world. Uh, to, to, to testify, to testify in our own worlds, to testify in our families, to testify in our businesses, in our communities, to testify. But it, I don't want you to get the wrong picture. I'm not saying that God is calling us all to be full-time evangelists and that we're to you know, go out on the city of Valdosta and preach on street corners. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, that as you go about our normal lives, you know, traveling, perhaps you're at the job, you're at the movies with your family, you're out to dinner, you're at Publix, you know, where shopping is a pleasure. And in, in those places, we, we will learn to develop a greater of awareness of those around us who need to be restored to the Father. Then in those moments, what we do is we turn to the Holy Spirit and we say, lead me in this time. Lead me in this place. So, what I want to do today is I want to prepare you in a very highly practical and useful way when these moments come to you. Uh, some, some time ago, Crystal and I, we just finished shopping, actually at Publix, and uh, we come home, it's on a Saturday, putting up groceries. And all of a sudden, I hear a knock on my, uh, my door. This. I'm like, well, who is this? You know, wasn't expecting anyone at all. And I go to the dining room, and I, and I pierce through the, the blinds, and I look and see a skateboard there. And I'm like, well, that's odd. You know, it's strange. I open the door up, and there's this, there's this kid. He's 15 years old. He's, black, he's wearing black shirts, black pants. He's got tattoos, he's got earrings, piercings, you know. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, honey, get the gun, you know. I don't know what's going on here. 
And then he begins to say this. And he says to me, he says, I need to speak to a preacher. And I said, well, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't consider myself that, but I could probably help you, son. I said, what's, what's happening? And he says, you know, he says, my, my dad's left. He said, I've been on drugs for three days. I'm high even now. You know, he said, I, I, my, my mom's a wreck. The house is a wreck. And he says, I want to change, but I, but I don't know how to change. And I need to speak to someone that can help me. And I said, all right. So I uh, went, went to the back, grabbed, grabbed my Bible. And as I was walking back, I was thinking, oh, Holy Spirit, <laughs> I need you to testify. And so I just began to, I just began to share Jesus with him. I said, I said, brother, I said, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He died for you for the total forgiveness of all of, your, all of your sins. He's the only one that can transform your life. He's the only one that has the power, that has the strength to deliver you from these drugs and to give you a new life. And I asked him, I said, do you want to receive Jesus? And he looks at me and he just, right after I testified, I, I just began to feel the Spirit of God, and he began to testify. And that, that young boy began just to break down, and the Holy Spirit began to convict him, but also convince him the love that, that the Father has. And so we, we, we prayed together. And you know, some people get saved, and then some people get like really saved. You, I don't know if that makes sense to you. But this guy, this kid, he got really saved. I mean, he got, he, he got it all. And so we're sitting there praying. He's just crying and tears and everything. And he looks up at me and he says, man, this something is, something is really different here. I, I, I just feel different. And I said, you got a new person living in your house. <laughs> so that's why you feel different, you know. And uh, so we had prayed together. We exchanged uh, contact. And I told him, I said, I want you to come back to my house next week. And I want to teach you about your new life with Christ. You know, is that okay? He said, yeah. Never came back. I, I tried to communicate with him. And uh, unfortunately, his phone got disconnected. Six months later, I'm serving for a men's event in the city of Adasta. And we're cooking food. It's for a youth event. We're cooking, you know, we're sweaty. We got stuff on the grill and everything. Six months later, and, and this event is about to start in just like two or three minutes. And all of a sudden, the, the, the first person that comes in the parking lot, he pulls in. He comes out. And then this, this young kid, and he walks right beside me. And I noticed it was, it was Bobby. And I turned and said, Bobby. I said, oh, my gosh, man. I said, I've been praying for you. You know, I haven't, I haven't uh, contacted. We haven't been in contact. I've been praying for you. And I said, what's been going on? And he said, you won't believe it. He said, the day that we prayed together and I received Christ, he said, that day I haven't had a drop of alcohol. God has delivered me from all drugs. <laughs> Amen.
Amen. And then he says to me, he says, and furthermore, I am playing in a Christian band and I'm on fire for Jesus. But I've often thought to myself, you know, what if I wasn't prepared? What if I was not prepared to testify? What if he came and knocked and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do, you know? Where would he be today? In a remarkable similar language as what Jesus used with his disciples, the Holy Spirit encouraged all the saints attending the church at Ephesus to strap onto their feet the gospel of peace for readiness and preparation for what could come their way. He was making reference to Roman soldiers' shoes, which were studded with hobnails to give them stability while they battled. Now, it's kind of like the cleats that the Vikings wear to defeat their opponents. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what he's talking about. So what God, what God was saying to that entire church was, as you walk throughout your daily lives, be prepared to carry the gospel of peace wherever you go. And it will give you balance. It will give you stability. You won't be caught off guard. And furthermore, it's, it is especially vital in times of spiritual battle. I remember one day I was walking into work, and I just found out it was this guy's birthday. He's a big old biker guy. And, uh, and as I was walking into work, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, give him a Bible for his birthday. I'm like, oh, God, he's going to like, you know, he's going to punch me or something. You know, I was, I was kind, of, kind of scared, to be honest. But the next day, I went and bought a Bible, and I had his name uh, inscripted on it. And I gave, and, and I walked up to him, and I said, sir, I said, happy birthday. And I gave him this Bible, and he stayed, he's just sitting there staring at me like, how, you know, I was thinking he was, he was about to punch me, you know. But he's sitting there staring at me. And then he says, you know, no one has ever given me a Bible. Can you teach me how to read it? <laughs> so we met at the Waffle House after work over coffee. Starting with the Gospel of John, I showed him Jesus. He gets saved. He gets water baptized. And even at the Waffle House, we're praying together. And he gets filled with the Holy Spirit in the middle of the Waffle House, you know. So when we have strapped the gospel of peace onto our feet, how is it that God directs us? He directs us by divinely intersecting us with people as we go about our everyday lives. See, Jesus compared these divine intersections to fishing. So in Matthew chapter 4, they have that on the screen, it's okay. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 it says, now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So here's Jesus walking by the seashore, sees these two guys, looks at them and says, follow me. And they just drop their nets and begin to follow Jesus. Are there any fishermen here in the house? Anglers or fishermen here? Anyone? Yes, there's, there's two of you. Um, 
Let me ask you this. When you're out there on the water and you have that pole in your hand, do you go to the fish or do the fish go to you? You see, sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring the fish to us. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring us to the fish. And sometimes it's both. So three practical ways in which you can testify and share effectively when these divine intersections happen to you. Number one, share in the right way. To share in the right way means we first allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see the lost the way that the Father sees them. So we naturally tend to look at each other through the lens of wealth or intelligence or attractiveness or various other outward characteristics. But the lens by which we view people is the determinant factor by which we value and deal with them. But the Father does not see as we see. He does not see as we see naturally. So therefore, we must adjust our perspective to his. He will, he will not adjust his perspective to ours. You see, Jesus viewed the loss from the Father's perspective, which meant he saw them as being tremendously valuable. He described this in the parable of the lost coin in Luke chapter 15, 8 through 10. Just to give you some context here, Jesus is sitting with some sinners. He's received them. He's, he's sitting there with them, and he's just loving on them. And the Pharisees see it. Pharisees and scribes see that, and they say, can you believe that? Look at, look at that, look at that rabbi. I can't believe that rabbi would sit there with those nasty, filthy people. You know, and, and they were just grumbling among themselves. And Jesus sits up. And through these parables, Jesus says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show these guys sitting with me how much I love them. But I'm also going to rebuke these religious leaders at the very same time. So it says this. This is uh, Luke 15, verse 8 through 10. It says, Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Notice it says that the woman lights a lamp and sweeps the house to find it. That is very important. It tells us that the house is dark because it needed light and dirty because it was needed to be swept. But as the woman throughout, moved throughout the house, she sweeps the dirt off the floors so her lamplight can reveal the shininess of the coin that was in the filth. So the picture here is of a person looking of something of great value. The woman here represents the Lord. And Jesus is saying while he does not ignore those that are his, those other nine coins, he is intensely focused on those in darkness and lost in the filth of this world and that they are tremendously valuable to him. And when he has them, he rejoices. But what do you think the value of that one lost coin is? Maybe five cents, maybe a quarter, maybe a dollar. See, a coin's value is based on two things, the composition, what it's made of, and its rarity. 
See, we are made in the image of God. Furthermore, there's no one single human on the planet made just like you. So what does that say about how much God values you? Tremendously. Furthermore, we have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Something of inestimable value. So the cross, if you, if you ever doubt your value, look at the cross. Because that's how much God values you. Jesus said once, he, he said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? You know how I, how I read that? I read that to say that the value of one human soul is worth the sum total of all the wealth in the whole world. That you take the, the cumulative amount of wealth in the world and you have a soul right next to it and the value of that soul is far above that. That's what God is saying. There's a woman listening to my voice right now that has believed a lie that you are cheap, that you have no worth, and because of that, you even have had thoughts that, you know, life is not even worth living. But I tell you something. Your Heavenly Father values you. I don't know who, who it is I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to some woman here. But, but your Heavenly Father values you beyond anything you can imagine. And He says to you, my daughter, I value you so much. All the stars in the heavens put together are not as beautiful as to how I see you. Now, I'm speaking to someone here tonight. Not only is it important that we see as Jesus sees, we see people that are lost as valuable. But it's also important that we feel as the Father feels. So he feels for them with incredible pain, incredible passion, and incredible love. So it's not important we just share the right way to see them. But we have to feel for them. We have to feel for the lost as the Father feels for the lost. The closest that I'm able to share with you how, how the Father feels about those that are lost is by reading a few posts I found on an online bulletin forum from an organization called the National Runaway Safe Line. These three posts describe from a parent's point of view what they go through when their child is lost in a way. So if you have a son or a daughter, try to picture yourself in their shoes here. Here's a post by a mother I'm going to try to get through this. You guys pray for me. <laughs> Here's a post by a mother from September 2008 about her lost son. My eldest son have left home for the second time. <clears throat> the first was about two years ago. I haven't reported him missing yet for a couple of reasons. I've been told by the police for the first time that they won't even look for him. If they happen to see him, they will pick him up. But basically, they won't do a thing. 
My son has decided as to where he wants to go. He has a home with many extras that normally he shouldn't have. I haven't stopped caring for my son. I love him very much and am extremely worried about him. That's the heart of God for his lost. Here's another post from October 2015 regarding a lost daughter. My 17-year-old daughter won't come home. I am a wreck. I can't sleep or eat. I cry. I get mad. I scream. I just want her home. I hurt, and the pain is unbearable. It's like she's dead, but I can still see her. People tell me not to chase her. They tell me not to call her. And they tell me not to send her any messages. Just let her be. On November 20, 2017, a father posted this on the website about one of his sons that left. My son turned 16 in June. Just in the middle of October, he decided he wants to be on his own. He went to hang out with a friend and has refused to come home since. They will not leave each other. They talk about some depression that, we, that they have that us fathers don't understand. He told me this week he would be home soon. But that was four days ago. I don't even know what soon means. He has said he's sorry for the pain he's caused, but I really can't believe it. It really hurts. I have a younger son, his brother, and he can't even say his brother's name. He won't even talk about it. But I can't talk about it without crying. You see, that's the father. And I put myself in the shoes of that son, that other son that was there with that father. You know, imagine sitting around the table, the dining room table. You're sitting there with that, with that father. Wouldn't it, would it not be a shame... If the conversation was like this, hey, dad, hey, dad, you know, I, I really want a new car. I mean, the car I got is so slow, you know, I, give, me, give me something nice. Hey, dad, can I have a new phone? You know, the screen I have is just too small. I want something bigger. Hey, dad, can you take me to the mall tonight? Never acknowledging once that his own flesh and blood was away from the house. Can you imagine? Now, I'm going to say this. Our father is a loving father, and he is full. He's, he's the giver of every perfect gift. But we have to understand something. We have to understand that the father is looking over at that empty chair, and he's saying, son, I hear you. I hear you, I hear everything you're saying, and I love you. But don't you see what I'm experiencing right now? Don't you see that there's an empty chair in this house? So these real stories give us some insight into what the Father is experiencing right now toward those that are lost. Can, can you sense his heart? The Lord's deep desire is actually to enlarge his family. But he wants all of his sons and, and daughters to be a part of that. So the way we share is not as a judge bringing judgment upon a criminal. You know, the way we share is as a father to a lost son. 
The other part of this is the right way sharing also means sharing in a spirit of gentleness. So when we share Jesus with people, we don't shove it down their throat from the flesh. We share from the Spirit of God in a, in a gentle, respectful way. Hey, do you want to receive Jesus? If not, it's okay. You don't, you know, if not, it's fine. So we don't hold up microphones. It's to be like chatting with someone over coffee. All he wants for us is to be ourselves, to give him our hands and our feet and our mouths and let the Spirit of God do the rest. Secondly, not only is it important that we see people the way the Father sees them and that we feel for people the way the Father feels for them, but it's also important that we share the right message. So in addition to sharing the right way, we have to share the right message. Not just any message is, is going to do. Since Jesus' feet left the earth, there has been a plethora of wrong messages broadcasted throughout the world. Furthermore, they are being broadcasted even this very hour. Many of them planted by Satan and his workforce to supplant the gospel and to cause confusion and chaos for those who actually are seeking Jesus, to distract the world from the truth that is in Christ Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit will only bear witness to the right message. He only, he only reigns upon and gives increase to the right kind of seed. So the end of age in Scripture is presented like a great harvest. But just like with any harvest... You, you know, you got to have seeds planted. You can't have a harvest without planting seeds. And if you want the right kind of harvest, you have to have the right kind of seed. See, I'm not a farmer, but I know this. If I want to harvest the bell peppers, I have to plant bell pepper seeds, you know? i got a brother here who occasionally will come by and give me a bag of jalapenos and I know this, you know, I'm no genius, but I know this. If you want a harvest of jalapenos, you have to plant jalapeno seeds. But let me ask you, if God is wanting a global, worldwide harvest of Jesus and for Jesus, what do we plant? We plant Jesus. We plant Jesus. We plant Him. It's not hard. It's very simple. Now... Before we plant Jesus, sometimes, like John the Baptist did, he prepared the way for the Lord. We can share our testimony. Testimony is a way to prepare the way for Jesus to come. But ultimately, there's only one thing that can save. It's not our testimony. It's Jesus Christ. So there's only... There's only one message, only one seed that can save, only one seed that can produce life, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said this. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He said, it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes it. So what, is, what all is in that seed that we're to share? You know, what are, what are the essentials of that seed? In, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
starting with verse, uh, well, I'm not, I, you know what? I'm going to give you guys some background. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to start with verse 1, but I want to give you some background here. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the use of gifts in the church. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about how to exercise those gifts in love. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the supremacy of prophecy as a gift in the church. And 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the gospel. In other words, 12 through 14 teach us how to make the church stronger. 15 teaches us how to make the church bigger. So 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you. This is Paul. Which also you received, in which also you stand. By which also you were saved. If you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. How did he receive it? He received the gospel through Jesus himself. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. In other words, as it was foretold he would be. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. So we have really here three critical elements of what's in that seed. It is Christ died for the sins of the world. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, according to as it was written. He was buried and he was raised to life on the third day third day his heart started beating again blood started pumping again synapses started happening in his brain he came to life on the third day it wasn't just a spiritual life bodily so when people with the help of the holy spirit believe this simple message that we plant they are saved and immediately transferred into the kingdom of god lordship and kingship are kingdom realities you see, this it's so simple that little children can believe it, but it's so profound that the most intelligent men and women in the entire world stumble over it. One time, um, I was coming home from church, actually, this wonderful church here at Grace Point. I was, I was coming home, and I passed this girl on the side of the road, and I didn't really think much about it, you know, so I get home, and it... It was on the street with which I live on. And so, get home, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm just kind of getting some stuff ready for lunch. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, go. Go. Share. And I'm like, ugh. I was like, I don't even know this girl, you know. It's, I, who is she? I don't even know her. And then I, I felt as if he had lassoed me. I don't know how to explain it. It was like he kind of threw a rope around me and la it was pulling me out toward that road. And I, and I told Chris, I said, all right, I, I have to go. So I go out, and as I'm walking up my driveway, she begins to intersect my path. And before I can even say a word, she calls out to me. She says, hey, excuse me, sir. I said, yes. And she says, hey, can I borrow your cell phone? I said, yeah, sure. 
And she was calling a friend. She was walking to a friend's house. And she's talking and everything. And then right, right in that moment when we're, we're just talking, a random car pulls right into our driveway. I'm like, what in the world is going on, you know? And so, and so uh, rolls down the window, and she says, ma'am, I, I saw that uh, you were walking. Would you, would you like a ride? She says, yeah, sure. And I guess, you know, there's some trust there, two, two females. And as that one girl was getting ready to walk in, in, in the, into that car, I stopped her, and I said to her, I said, you know, I said, this is going to be a very strange question to ask you. I said, uh, do you know Jesus? She says, nope, not at all. And I said, do you want to know about him? And she says, yeah, 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 please, please tell me about him. And so I just said, all right. So I, I, I just shared with her the very basic gospel message for which I just shared to you. Christ came, he died for your sins, raised to life, he wants to give you eternal life. Do you want to receive him? And she says, yes, 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 I do. And we held hands, we prayed together, and the Lord just began to really move upon her, and the Spirit of God began to minister to her in a really powerful way. And then she gets up, and she goes and sits in the car, and I'm walking away. And the driver of, of the vehicle calls out to me and says, hey, sir. I said, oh, gosh. You know, I turned around, and the driver said, you know, what you said back there really touched me. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, too, and I really appreciate that. And I said, well, just thank, thank God for it, you know. And she had a new Bible sitting right next to her. And she, and she gave that girl this brand new Bible and began to minister to her further. And God began to, to use her as a great tool for discipleship. Okay, so it's not enough that we just share in the right way. It's not even enough that we share the right message. But we must also share in the right time. We must have the right timing. So... As a farmer, you can't sow your seed at any time. You know, the Bible says there's a time to sow and a time to reap. You know, I can't plant corn in the dead of winter and expect a harvest, right? There's got to be a specific time. The condition and state of the soil must be ready to receive the seed. The Spirit of God searches all things and knows the condition of everyone's heart. And He will often send us people or send people to us whose hearts he has already tilled to receive. Going back to our original analogy, fish that are hungry. But that's not always the case. Sometimes we can expect people to refuse our words or perhaps even God for opening their hearts while we are sharing. Now, there are no hard and fast rules when to share. I'm not, I'm not talking about some legalistic, you know, if we do it, then this happens. There's the key to this is it requires sensitivity to the whispers and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. These days, you know, there is really a heavy emphasis on building relationships with people first. But that's not always 100% God's desire. It may make us feel more comfortable. It may, hey, it does. But oftentimes, we never get to the point of sharing. You know, to be sensitive 
means that we respond the right way. We respond quickly. You know, for example, if you have a rash on your arm and someone touches it, it responds quickly to pain because it's sensitive. You know, my son, he's uh, getting ready to lose a tooth. And the other night we were making s'mores together and he bit down on it and all, he just started screaming because that tooth was sensitive. When we are sensitive to the Lord and his timing on when to share, we should act immediately and not hesitate. The more frequently we respond, the more sensitive we become. Several years ago, after I surrendered my life back to the Lord through college, through just a really, really bad season of, of alcohol and drugs and really bad relationships. About a week after that, it was a midnight, and I just got hungry for Taco Bell. Is anyone here, get just, they just, you want to run to the border, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and so I'm going there, and I, you know, get, get a couple of tacos. It's like 12 a.m. at night. You know, I'm in college. I'm a college kid, you know. And I'm on my way back, and the light from a bar sign catches my eye. It's just kind of flashing like this. And I'm like, Lord, that is not you. You know, I, I, you just delivered me from that. You know, it's just kind of flashing. And now, I'll say this. I'm not condoning or condemning alcohol. I'm just saying for me, at that time in my life, that would, that would have been a strategic mistake. Uh, but as I kept driving, it just got kind of stronger, you know, and I just, it seemed to me like God was saying to me, go, go to that bar, you know. I'm like, you know, this can't be God, you know. So I'm uh, walking the bar, and it's just real, it's smoky, it's dark, you know, there's a couple of lights there, but it's just, it's a real hazy, dark area. And I go and I, and I sit there. And the bartender says, what you like? I said, oh, give me my signature, water on the rocks, you know. And so I'm, I'm sitting there drinking water. And I'm like, Lord, I am, I am in here in the flesh. I am in the flesh. I, I've just missed you. And I'm getting ready to get up, you know. And all of a sudden, when I get ready, ready to get up, the door just swings wide open. And this older woman, she starts staggering in. She's drenched fully wet because it was raining staggers in and comes and sits right beside me and the Lord says that's why you're here and all of a sudden this woman just began to open up she just began to share she said you know my husband he's in prison I have two little girls they're at home now I have a stomach disease I don't know how long I'm going to be here this and that and I began to minister to her and the Holy Spirit began to minister to her and in that dark, smoke-filled bar, God began to move. And he began to touch her and minister to her. And she began weeping. And she gets up and she says, you know, I'm going to go home now. And I'm going to go and share with my two little girls how much God loves them. Before the earth was made, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was hovering. He was hovering over a pre-existing world that was dark and formless and empty. 
The next thing that happened was God said, let there be light. He didn't just, you know, in a, in a wimpy way, oh, let there be light, you know, let light happen. No, God said, let there be light, and there was light. You see, he's doing the same thing today. The Spirit of God is hovering over every dark and empty life in this world. There is no crack house in Valdosta. There is no prostitution ring in Atlanta that the Spirit of God is not there hovering over. And he is relaying back to the Father. He's saying, send light, speak light. And what does he send? He looks and he sends you. And he sends me because we have the glorious light of Christ on the inside of us. And just like in Genesis, their existing world of emptiness and darkness is done away with. And a new world full of light comes forth. Like planet Earth, they truly become a new creation. He does the work. We just show up. He sends his light at the right time. I heard a story recently about a couple of pastors getting together at a prophetic conference. And there was a couple that was sitting there, and the pastor begins to prophesy. And the pastor says, lady, ma'am, while you were driving here, you, you were having a conversation with your husband about why you were transferred from one department you were in at work to another. And you just, you just couldn't understand it. You just didn't know why you were transferred. And he says, this is why. He said, God looked at you. And he says, you were comfortable. He says, you were around a bunch of Christians. It was light on light. And the other department, he, he, you know, he says, the other department, where you, it's just full of heathens. But God says, this is why. He says, I saw the brightest light in that place. And I picked it. And I transferred it to the darkest place in that area. The next year, that woman comes back to that conference, sitting on the front row, three of her co-workers sitting next to her, saved. But you know, sometimes timing can, can be critical, not just important. I heard of a businessman in New York, financial, uh, financial manager. He was sitting there in the building. And all of a sudden, he looks out his window, and his eyes just kind of, they just fix on a car that's stuck in traffic. And the Holy Spirit said, go and share the gospel with that man right now. And so he goes down, walks down, walks across the street, knocks on his window, and he, and he just shares the gospel with him. And this, and this man receives it and he gets saved. The businessman is sitting there on the sidewalk and he's just like, what was the urgency there? You know, what's... And all of a sudden, he hears a car crash three blocks down the road and that man had died. See, sometimes timing can be very, very critical. Moving out in the Holy Spirit is a lot like moving out of house when you become of age. It's exciting, but it's also nerve-wracking. And the desire for every parent is for their child 
to eventually move out of the house and become a contributing citizen to their country. Growing up in the house, it prepares them for that moment when they step outside. As we move out in the spirit, we become contributing citizens of the kingdom of God, not just members of church. It's exciting, nerve-wracking at times, but ultimately, it's an adventurous life with God. So I want everyone in the house, from the back to the front, to the left, to the right, just close your eyes for a moment. No one's looking around. The worship team is here. You know, I want to speak to two groups today. Maybe you're here visiting for the first time today and have never heard the good news of Jesus. And you sense and feel the Spirit of God right now drawing you to Him. Or maybe you're here and just not quite sure whether you actually have received forgiveness of sins. And you have doubts that you have eternal life. You know, going to church does not make you saved. I've had family members that have went to church for 20 years, 20 years, and never saved, except for the last year of their life. You know, the Lord wants you to have full confidence with every fiber in your being that you know that you have eternal life, that you know that you're a child of God. Now, no one is looking. And I'm not, I'm not even going to ask anyone to come up front. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But if that's you, while everyone's eyes are closed, I want you to lift your hand up high. Lift your hand up high. If that's you, oh, yes, sir, I see you. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Why would you hesitate even for a moment when you know that it is God speaking to you and no man? The scripture says this, it says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What this means is to be open and don't ignore it, don't brush it off. If God is speaking to you in this moment and he's pulling you to Jesus, you feel that draw. I want you to lift your hand. Continue to lift your hands up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yep, yes, sir. I see you. Yes, sir. All right. You can lift it. You can drop them down. I am so proud of you. I am so, so proud of you. You are so brave. Thank you so much. I love you. God loves you. Now, I want all of us to stand to our feet. You know, there are several here this morning that have raised their hands. You know, yes, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, they're about to be totally forgiven, receive total forgiveness. They're about to be totally pure, totally restored to the Father. So 
I want us all to pray this, okay? Because uh, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I want us all to pray this, but particularly those that have raised their hands. I want you to pray this with the most utmost sincerity of your heart. I want to be crystal clear that it's not by simply repeating words that you're saved. But let these words help direct your faith into Jesus Christ. See, when your faith connects to Him and His grace, in that moment, salvation and eternal life is yours in that moment. So let's uh, pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I believe that you died on the cross for all my sins. I believe that you were raised to life. I believe that you are Lord now of heaven and of earth. And Lord, I turn away from my old life, my sin. And I turn to you and I look to you, Jesus Christ, to receive all forgiveness in this moment. And I thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, I receive it all right now. Amen. 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 You know? Amen. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You know, glory Jesus. The woman. Wait, 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 hold on. I have one. I have one more thing. So, the scripture says this: that the woman rejoiced, and she called her neighbors and her friends when she had found it. Okay, let's just rejoice with God. Amen. Amen. So, while we're all standing here. I want every, every saint in the house, especially those who just became one, I want you to close your eyes and use your imagination for a moment. No one moving around, lock the door. No, I'm joking. I want you to, to sit there and close your eyes, and I want you to imagine something. Imagine you're sitting there in the dining room. And you're at the head of this dining room table. And every square inch is covered with wonderful food and desserts and drinks. And you look across the table from you, and there is sitting Jesus in a white robe. Can you, can you see that now? Now you look, and there are four empty chairs at that table. There's two on the left. There's two on the right. Now in this moment, I want you, in a spirit of prayer, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you who in your life that you, that you know that needs to come into that room and sit in those chairs beside you. Maybe it's a business partner. Maybe it's family members, loved ones, friends. Just begin, just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, who is it? Who is it in my life? Who is it in my life, Lord, that you want to come and sit beside me and sit beside you?
Just begin to ask, Lord, who, who are those people? And I want you to remember their faces. And if you have something to write with, write their names down. Just go ahead and jot their names down. Lift up your hand if people are coming to your mind. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, so with those people in your mind right now, I want you to pray this. Father, help me to move out in the Holy Spirit. To share with these that you have brought to my mind in the right way with the right message and at the right time so they too can be seated with Christ as I am right now in Jesus name I pray amen now, if you're not at that point to share, that's okay. God will give you direction. But I have a challenge for you. I want you to pick one person that you saw in your mind and, and invite them to this church. Try to bring them to this church, and I want you to do it within 30 days. You see, if everybody did that, Grace Point Church could double in 30 days. Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 If, listen, if you're serious about that, I want you to lift, lift your hand up. Are you serious about that? Amen. Amen. Wow, look at the hands. Praise God. Praise God. Those that put their faith in uh, Christ for the first time ever today, I want you to come forward following dismissal. I'd like to share with you the next steps in your new life with Jesus. Amen. Isn't that great? Also, if you'd like prayer for anything, we, we, have, we will have a few ministry folks here to help pray with you. So in light of that message today, I want to leave you with this blessing. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ever ask or imagine according to the power that works within us to him be glory yes throughout the church and throughout all generations forever and ever and ever amen amen god bless you you guys have Praise a great sunday a great labor day amen bless you